from the outer limits, it's the IGN DigiGuys. So please welcome two demons with a glass hand, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. And yes, we are going to eventually get around to doing all the new intros, uh, but right now we need outros. The intros we'll do when we have time to hook up with Corey, but you know, this week I've got a high school reunion, and I'm going to Texas we have for outros. a wedding, and we're, we're getting more outros, but send, send us more. Makoto Tsukushima sent yes. us some outros. Yes. And, and Eric by the Altieri way, sent us some outros. And by the way, by the way, speaking of Makoto, uh, Makoto was one of the three winners of the uh, Erase DVD contest, by the way. What? Yes, he was. Makoto Tsukushima, uh, along with, uh, who's in Canada, by the way. Yay, Canada. And uh, blame Canada. And then Brian Langenwalter in Mesa, Arizona, and Brad Kaufman in uh, Lancaster, PA. They all uh, won the uh, the Erased DVD. The bad news for them is that they are not eligible for this week's giveaway. We have another giveaway? We have another giveaway. Oh, it was a very special giveaway, Mark. You are very generous, Wade. It's a very special giveaway. What, uh, it's one that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, as we will explain later. Is this so? This is a giveaway you will not be explaining now. <coughs> no. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the thing, Wade. We have a lot to talk about. We do. We have a ton but of things to talk about. We got uh, a little Francis Ford Coppola to talk about. We got some great classic movies this week. The new movies this week, <laughs> they're well. I'm not going to say they blow. They're you know, there just aren't a lot of them. Um, also, one of the great horrible movies of my youth. Which is, would be... Is now on uh, DVD, not Blu-ray. Yeah. That's kind of lame. Well, anyway. Wait, do you want to try what I made? What'd you make? Well, I made something that I like, and everybody else I've given it to doesn't like. Okay. So I'm letting you decide whether it's good or not. Just so you understand, I spend the better part of every day... Eating. Uh, ...dealing with urine and fecal matter. So mm. whatever... There's nothing that you can give me that's going to gross me out. I don't eat it, obviously, but, you know, I'm exposed to a great amount, to large amounts of bodily fluids and feces every day. Well, I'm not sure how that relates to what I'm about to give you, but uh, there you go. Okay. So I made an olive oil cake. Now, an olive oil cake... A what's a hum? Olive oil cake. An olive oil cake. Yes. It's a cake. It's just a flat cake. It's not okay. like a big German chocolate cake. Okay. Uh, but instead of butter, you use olive oil. I see. So it's a very moist, tender okay. crumb. All right. Would you like a piece of this? Sure. Now, I'm going to give you a small piece of it because everybody hates it. So I'm okay. going to waste it. Okay, go ahead. If you like it, I'm happy to give you more. Fine, whatever. But I'm going to give you a small piece for now. Go fetch the cake. I'm going to go fetch the cake. Fetch the cake. Well, you, but don't talk about this yet because this is awesome. I know, I know. Talk no. about something else. Okay. Well, I go get the cake. I will do that. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go through the, uh, the kid vid. What am I going to do? And the perfect what? time for me to get up and leave. There you go. You know, uh, The Legend of Korra, book one, Air, is out on Blu-ray and DVD. We got the Blu-ray. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, this is a spinoff of sorts from uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Not to be confused with Avatar, the James Cameron film, but this is the other Avatar, the original Avatar, that was made into a terrible M. Night Shyamalan film called The Last Airbender. The animated Avatar The Last Airbender is actually pretty cool. And uh, this is... Uh, That's great. Of, okay, hang on. It, it all exists in the same universe, and uh, okay. it's quite a nice Blu-ray, actually. No, no it's, what, t- it's terrible. Is it? is That's it? olive oil cake. I want you to taste the olive oil cake. Again, olive oil cake okay. is just cake, right. but instead of butter, use it. It's, that don't smell it. Just take a big bite it out of it. smells like pound cake. Out. Huh? It smells like pound cake. Okay, fine. Right. Just taste it for crying out Jesus. There well, you go. 
Jesus Christ. Mm. No. No one wants to hear you chew. Just say whether you like it. Say you're you're eating it. You're. Uh, would you like me to talk about something while you're eating that? Um. I'm not talking about kidvid because that's you have a kid. That's all yours. That's all you. Yeah. You know what? Here. Do, I would do move on to something music. else. Music. Well, I, I got a bunch of music stuff. Okay. Now yeah. you have to tell me honestly whether you like it or not. You're. You're. This. this you, there you go. Do the do the music stuff. I'm doing the music stuff. A Wade uh, enjoys or possibly doesn't enjoy uh, my olive oil cake. Okay. Uh, Aerosmith. They have been around forever. We love Aerosmith. Nice. Huh? Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Thank it's good. you. Yeah. Nice. Everybody hates it, but uh, my, my mother didn't like it. Uh, our friend Phil didn't like it. And <laughs> well, fine. But you, I like it. I like it. It's, it's a very good. moist, tender nice. crumb. Uh-huh. It, uh, it definitely has a different texture mm-hmm. than butter. Very nice. Thank you very much. Yeah. Damn it. God, it took forever to find someone to like this damn mm-hmm. freaking cake. Anyway, okay, do I, I'm happy to give you more. I just gave you a small piece because I no, nobody's been liking it. I will have more later. Really? Yeah. That's a compliment. Uh, all right. So Aerosmith, uh, they had all, all those great hits in the '70s, and of course they um, they really kind of hit some hit some rough times, and then res- resurrected themselves in the '80s. Here we've got uh, a lot of the '80s stuff in a uh, Blu-ray called "Rock for the Rising Sun." This is a um, tsunami, a 2011 uh, Japanese tsunami benefit concert. We have Love in an Elevator, Living on the Edge, uh, Monkey on My Back, Toys in the Attic. Lots of stuff you've heard about, Walk This Way, and uh, a couple bonus tracks. So uh, it's good stuff. Rockin for the rise, Rock for the Rising Sun, benefit concert with Aerosmith. Uh, Affair of the Heart is a uh, look at... <laughs> Is a look at an up close look at Wade yes. Rick Springfield. Totally, so into this. <laughs> now Rick Springfield had one hit, and it's a great hit. And come on, who doesn't love Jesse's Girl? Come on, folks, give it up for Jesse's Girl. Totally. Rick Springfield actually had two careers, as you I'm sure know, or maybe you don't know. Actually, he was a soap opera actor for many years, and uh, he also had a pop career in the 70s or in the 80s. And Jesse's Girl, a terrific song, one of the 80s classics, uh, was his big hit, his only big hit, really. He had, a couple, you, he had a couple of other good ones, actually. Have you seen that video of him playing Jesse's Girl unplugged with Mike Huckabee backing him up? Oh, Mike, you mean Fox News Mike Huckabee? Yeah. I have not. It's kind of weird. <laughs> just saying, just pointing it out. It was a very strange thing. I never expected to see that. So anyway, anyway, this is, it's a documentary about uh, Affair of the Heart. is a documentary about uh, Rick Springfield. It's kind of enjoyable, you know, because look, he, he's a good guy. He means well. He had a moment. He's been acting for years, and it's kind of he doesn't seem like the type of guy that would really warrant a full blown documentary. But you know what? Now that it's here, I, I don't know. It's kind of nice. I'm kind of into it. Uh, Affair of the Heart. Check it out. I'm going to move this down because I'm saving that one for last. Solomon Burke live at Mantra 2006. I saw Solomon Burke at. Um, at uh, Bumbershoot in Seattle about 10 years ago. Solomon yeah, Burke. At, at, at what, are, what or what? Bumbershoot. Uh, is, who's the thing? Uh, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a music festival. Okay. Never mind. Seattle. Okay. Um, I believe you. <laughs> as opposed to you like not believing me? I, I don't know. I, just, I don't know what, I don't know what now, Bumbershoot Now, Bumbershoot still goes on. Now, when I saw Bumbershoot, and I think it was like 2000, I don't know, like 10 years ago, Solomon Burke was there. He was great. Solomon Burke is, the, um, is, that, is that great blues singer who, uh, he actually died recently. He would sing all of his songs on a throne, and I think the reason he would sing all of his songs on a throne is not because he, uh, you know, was like some regal guy. Is because he was gigantically fat, okay. and I just think he was just too heavy to stand up. And he sort of <laughs> folded that into his his act. Folded, he folded yes, it, so he to speak. Folded into his act, yes. okay. sit on the throne. But he was fantastic. Anyway, Salman Burke live at Mantra, two thousand six. 
Uh, he's one of the great soul singers. Um, a lot of classic songs on this thing. Georgia on my mind. Sitting on the dock of the bay. Detroit City. That's how I got to Memphis. Salman Burke. Live in Montreux. Love him. This is on D- uh, DVD, not Blu-ray. Beyonce. Uh, there was a Beyonce documentary that um, was on HBO recently, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this, however, uh, is not that one. That one was called Home. This one is just called Baby and Beyond, unauthorized biography, Beyonce. I, I, I Honestly, I, w- I would really pass on this. Uh, I think that the HBO one, although a little more self-serving, is still a better documentary. Um, this one, you know, just like the other one, talks yeah. about her relationship with Jay-Z and uh, the birth of the baby and whatnot, but ultimately not as good as uh, the HBO one. The one you got to get is Love for Levon, a benefit to save the barn. Now, Levon Helm, uh, he passed away too. He uh, was the drummer for the band. Wow. And he was a historian of great blues and rock and bluegrass music. He teamed up with all sorts of amazing artists over his career. And um, Levon uh, had a concert in 2012 that was sort of like in his honor. And there are some amazing people on this thing. Roger Waters and John Mayer and Greg Allman and Jacob Dylan and... You know, uh, John Hyatt's on here. Um, I just love this thing. This is great. Love for Levon. Uh, Joe Walsh and Bruce Hornsby and Mavis Staples. And, oh, it's so good. This Actually, they, you know, I saw a documentary on Levon Helm at the L.A. Film Festival a couple of uh, years ago called, I think it's called uh, Ain't Doing It For My Health, I think is what it was called. Um, it was a terrific documentary about Levon Helm. And he is just, he is just, like, up from the earth. This guy is just, like, up from the soil. He is so down home and so brilliant, and unfortunately he passed away. But here, Love for Leon has 27 great songs um, on uh, two DVDs and one and two CDs. So even though it's not Blu-ray, it's still two DVDs and two CDs, which is great. So I would totally get this. If you love the band, if you love Levon Helm, check out Love for Levon. Love it. Nice. Yep. Good stuff. Sweet. So wait, uh, is that it for go. music? Huh? Is that it for music? That's unless you have something that you have been have been hiding from me. Uh, no. Well, what I'm, let me finish the kid bit. Give me give me six minutes to blow through. Kid oh, bit. you gave me a challenge. Hang on. Give well, a I'm setting the uh, setting the old uh, iPhone to six minutes. Here we go. Ready to roll. Uh, it might take ten, but let's try for six. No, no. I'm going to set six. Uh, I'm going to make sure the alarm is nice and loud. Go. All right. Anyway, we were talking about Korra. Uh, Legend of Korra, book one, Air. This is the first time that a Nickelodeon series has been on Blu-ray. This is, of course, a spinoff from The Last Airbender, Avatar The Last Airbender, except Korra, she's a girl. And it's it's a little bit like uh, like Milan in the world of the, 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 the Avatars and the Airbenders. Uh, it's good. Uh, Commentary is on all 12 episodes. Pretty great. Uh, looks really good. Then, also from Nickelodeon, we have got uh, Double Pack, two DVDs in one, Musical School Days, Dora the Explorer, and Blue's Big Musical Movie uh, of Blue's Clues. You know, this is just uh, for Tiny Tots, and i got to tell you, I, as much as I, I love being the father of a Tiny Tot, I just cannot imagine myself watching this stuff with her. So i, I got to tell you, it's still going to be uh, all about the Chuck Jones for me. Turtles Tale 2, Sammy's Escape from Paradise. This is a Blu-ray, 3D, Blu-ray, and DVD combo pack. And, uh, you know, this is all... The, the, the first one of these, Turtles Tale 1, uh, was a pretty shameless Finding Nemo ripoff. This is... 
not an, a terribly interesting sequel, but they, they try. They at least try to give it an interesting spin. The animation is okay. The voice characterizations are, are cute, and uh, it's decent. You know, the 3D, not there's nothing really particularly interesting there. Uh, 40 episodes of Liberty's Kids, the complete series. This is from Mill Creek. We got some, uh, some other Mill Creek stuff uh, to talk about in a little bit in the Kung Fu department, if we can get to it. Um, you know, the, the Liberty's Kid thing is uh, pretty interestingly educational. It does a good job of kind of uh, wrapping a lot of American history into uh, some decent animation, even though Mark hates this kind of animation because it looks very filmation, has that kind of look to it. Uh, but still some really good voices here. Uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Annette Benning, Michael Douglas, uh, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, pretty great. That, that, that part of it is fun. And then uh, from Cartoon Network, we have got yet another Ben 10 Omniverse, Heroes Rise. I am so tired of this Ben 10 stuff. I ju- my eyes just glaze over. My recommendation will mean nothing to you. Uh, if I curse it, it'll mean nothing to you. Your kids probably love it. Angelina Ballerina, Mousicle Medleys. No way in hell is my daughter ever going to watch a mouse in a tutu. But uh, a lot of people love the Angelina Ballerina, so it, it, there it is. If you're, if you're collecting them, go grab it. Monsuno, power. Pretty cool. The Monsuno uh, stuff uh, keeps coming out, keep pumping it out. It's, uh, you know, uh, it's a touch of anime. This comes from Shout. It's, it's, a, you know, that it's one of those shows that sits kind of halfway between American uh, animation and uh, Japanese animation. So it's got a little bit of an anime flavor. Good action-adventure stuff. Uh, but, you know, Monsuno's a totally cool character, and this one is, uh, this is groovy. What can I tell you? Uh, let's see, Wiener Dog Nationals. Oh my gosh, this is just this is just stunningly not good. Uh, this is not animated, but it is definitely for kids. And uh, it just it, the only thing that's worthwhile in here is the fact that Morgan Fairchild shows up in this just ridiculous movie about uh, dachshunds. And uh, you know, don't pay attention to dogs. Just look at Morgan Fairchild and ask yourself how does that woman manage to not age over the course of forty years? She hasn't aged. Season 3 of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, This is the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And oh my gosh, compared to the more recent Power Rangers shows, this thing just looks like it was made in the silent era. The costumes are horrible. The effects are ridiculous. The editing is just dreadful. I love every second of it. It's just cheese. Like It's like, it's Velveeta. It's Velveeta on DVD. Martha and Friends, summer fun, wee! Mark, how freaky is that? Come on, take just add a few seconds and tell me an animated Martha Stewart does not creep you out. Every sort of Martha Stewart creeps me out. Animated, live action, doesn't matter. It's just terrifying. Anyway, um, you know, Martha Martha and Friends is really probably the worst idea that has ever been created. And uh, I, somehow creating this whole craft thing for kids with an animated Martha Stewart, I, I find it really sociopathic on a level I can't even describe. Meet the Small Potatoes is uh, an adventure uh, with potatoes. It's like Mr. Potato Head, except far less imaginative. And I've got to tell you, this thing is just totally psychotic. Who comes up with this stuff? Uh, and, and of all things, they, they actually got Jerry Bach to write the songs for this thing. Jerry Bach, who did Fiddler on the Roof. Are you kidding me? What the... Seriously? This is nuts. Anyway, it's a bunch of animated shorts uh, with friggin' potatoes. It's a... I don't get it. I really don't get it. Anyway, speaking of arts and crafts, uh, we got some uh, Sesame Street arts and crafts. And uh, this is a, a disc called Playdate. And um, uh, I, I, might, I might hang on to this and uh, do this with my, uh, my daughter at some point. You know, there's uh, some interesting little, little crafty things that you can do here. Uh, very rudimentary stuff because I'm not good with coloring books, but 
you know, uh, that's kind of where my arts and craft skills end. Uh, and then we've got some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff here. We've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Season 3. And then we've also got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Enter Shredder. Okay, now, um, the interesting thing here is that one is from Lionsgate and the other one is from Paramount. And the one from Paramount is, of course, a Nickelodeon title, which is all CG animated. And the other one is the original um, hand-drawn animation. Now, I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell you the original uh, season three, far superior. The Enter Shredder animation, not so, not so great. I'm not into it. Um, so, uh, yeah, this, this show has not really improved. And uh, the, the new Nickelodeon stuff, I'm not so, not so keen on. The original is much more engaging. And then lastly, uh, yeah, we got a little more crafty stuff here. Another Nickelodeon title, Let's Learn Colors, right? Oh, I'm almost done. A few seconds, just literally within seconds. Uh, yeah, Let's Learn Colors, which includes uh, episodes from Bubble Guppies, Dora the Explorer, Team Umizumi, Blues Clues, and Wonder Pets. This is one of those uh, compilation things that they always do. They'll find a theme and they'll ram a bunch of stuff together. It's, nah, it's not bad. And then Robotech. This is a two-movie collection, The Shadow Chronicles, Collector's Edition, and Love, Al- Love Live Alive premiere release. Uh, Robotech is sort of like Transformers for adults. The Robotech stuff I always thought was really cool. I think these are, um, if you're not totally into the Robotech world, this is not necessarily going to be your entry. But if, you, uh, if you've watched every episode of the original Robotech series, uh, it, it, this will be deeply meaningful to you. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it's just deeply, deeply entrenched in that universe. Oh, can't, I, yeah, you know, what am I going to say? <laughs> we got too much. To, we got too much else to talk about. You know what we have to talk about? Wait, we should talk about old movies. You know why? Why? Because there's a movie I have to talk about right now. What do you now. have to talk about? Oh, come on! Go for it. I it's, won't tease you anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you from 1980, John Carpenter's The Fog. Mm. For me, this is the first John Carpenter film this is the first john carpenter film that i remember going god i love these movies uh, it, it, it kind of was this was the one i mean I, for a lot of people it was halloween but for our generation no. it wasn't so much halloween uh, you know th- the problem with halloween is that is the fog had like it was scary and it was cheesy and it was low budge but it had a lot of suspense halloween was like a slasher movie true different different deal this thing has got cult written all over it. Well, I mean, it's fog, got the same structure as Halloween. It's a small American town, and uh, but there's, the, yes. the, the, you know, Halloween felt very exploitative, right? The fog felt you're like, okay, I get it. It's low budget. It's horror. I get what he's doing. It's the guy from Halloween, but yet it felt a little more artistic, right? It felt more yes. cinematic, didn't it? It felt like he was he was you know. Well, John Houseman tell John Houseman's in it. Yeah, I mean, it just it just felt more like this is something different. It's original. It's an auteur-driven horror thing. You know, Janet Lee is in it. I know. It's the best. It the is. Fog. John Carpenter's The Fog. And then they remade it and made a crap movie. Well, of course. Don't get me started on that. But John Carpenter does an uh, audio commentary on this thing, which is great. And there's a new mm-hmm. audio. That's an old audio commentary. Here, there's a new audio commentary with Adrian Barbeau and uh, the production designer. Adrian And a new Barbeau. interview with Jamie Lee Curtis, nice. who stars in the film. And uh, I cannot recommend The Fog enough. It's an old bu- uh, film. It's a low-budget film. But the Blu-ray still looks pretty good. And uh, you just got to love all the extras, including outtakes and uh, theatrical trailers and TV spots and photo galleries. Awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, John Carpenter's The Fog. Old school thrills, folks. Old school. Love it. 
Well, talking about old school, you know, the year 1977, there were a lot of great movies, right? I mean, there was, you know, Star Wars and Sorcerer, right? That's what we think of in 1977. Um, no, there was another genre movie in 1977 that, of course, completely got lost in the uh, in the Star Wars thing because it kind of belongs more to the previous the previous decades worth of movies, and uh, that is writer director William Sachs's The Incredible Melting Man. Um, I remember I first became aware of this movie when I read a whole uh, thing on Rick Baker and Greg Canham doing the makeup stuff in Starlog magazine. And uh, this was one of the movies that kind of like inspired the creation of Fangoria. And I, I remember looking at it, just this disgusting, horrible, just, you know, like skull and teeth peeking through melted flesh and eyeball hanging out kind of makeup effects. It was just nasty. And I just thought I got to see that. And uh, the movie itself is just terrible. But it's terrible in a wonderfully entertaining way. And uh, the plot of the, <laughs> of the Incredible Melting Man is pretty standard. Uh, kind of, It's sort of like a zombie plot, almost. You got a guy who goes to Saturn, and then he comes back, and uh, he's, he's acquired some weird disease that makes his flesh melt, and uh, he has this voracious appetite for human flesh and blood. So Don't we all? he becomes the Incredible Melting Man. Um, it's yeah, it's silly. It's it's totally stupid. But uh, you know, it, the 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 effects are even though they're cheesy, they're just massively entertaining. You just have to imagine that someone had an awful lot of fun playing with makeup. So um, right, wait, you ready? Yeah, I'm uh, going to name shout, shout Factory on that one. I'm going to name for you some films, other films that came out in 1977. Uh-huh. You tell me, you tell me if they're better or worse than The Incredible Melting Man. Yeah, you ready? Just yeah, all, sure. all, I'm, I'll give you just a few. Okay, just say the word better or worse. Okay, Annie Hall. Worse. <laughs> Close Encounters. Worse. Saturday Night Fever. Worse. Eraserhead. Uh, better. Ooh. <laughs> How about this? The good, wait, this is the Goodbye Girl. Oh, uh, same. Yeah, but does the Incredible Melting Man, he also does not like the panties hanging on the rod. There you go. You got to know that. That's right. Uh, Demon Seed. Um, worse. High Anxiety. Better. All 1977. Yeah. Pumping Iron. Worse. Pumping Iron, of course, starring? Uh, Schwarzenegger Arnold. That is right. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, oh, you here it is. You ready? Yeah. Better or worse, The Incredible Melting Man or The Island of Dr. Moreau? Island of Dr. Moreau is uh, worse than The Incredible Melting Man. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you know. Okay. Here's a great one. You better say an unmarried woman. No. Oh, almost. Yeah. Right. Almost. Julia. Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Ah, worse. Real. Oh, what? All 1977. By the way, I don't like hockey, but a great hockey movie came out in 1977. Of course, best hockey movies ever. Yeah. Of course, it is Slapshot. Yep. That is great. Totally. Oh my God! Remember Telephon? Yes, I do. With Charles Bronson. Yes. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, 20th Century Fox has released a fantastic movie on Blu-ray that I just cannot get enough of. It is Love Me Tender. Elvis Presley and Love Me Tender. Uh, you know what? <laughs> People forget Love Me Tender is is a is a Civil War movie. <laughs> I mean, we were accustomed to Elvis, like, oh, he's like, uh, he's, they're all movies set in the 60s. They're all groovy. No, Love Me Tender is set in 1865. And uh, it's about uh, three brothers who don't know that the war has ended. And they steal a payroll from the Union Army. And, uh, well, you know, the, 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 young, the youngest brother 
sings songs and uh, loves women. What can you? T- what can I tell you? Look, it, it, it's an Elvis Presley movie. Don't worry about anything. Anything else? It's just if you want to see Elvis in a period film, go see it. It's a. It's kind of a riot. I thoroughly enjoy this film, and uh, it is kind of a weird, strange Elvis, uh, you know, anomaly and classic at the same time. You know what else is great, Mark? I, I have only increased my appreciation for this film over the years, even though it's not, you know, look, Francis Ford Coppola made a lot of masterpieces, and he made a handful of movies that are just generally entertaining and solid and, and not extraordinary. But Peggy Sue Got Married really does date incredibly well, no, I have awesome. to say. I yep. got to say, it really dates well. And it's, it, it's, a bizarre, uh, uh, it's a bizarre turn for um, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who's, who went from Apocalypse Now yeah. and The Godfather to Peggy Sue Got Married. I know. But yet it's really entertaining. I mean, the whole idea, it's a really, really charming, uh, it's not really a time travel thing. It's like if you imagine that you had a second chance in high school, right, or whatever. It's just charming. And I got to tell you, yeah, totally. Nick Cage and those prosthetic teeth, that just kills me. You know who else is in this in one of his earliest roles is uh, Jim Carrey. Looking very young because Peggy Sue is from 1986. It's just charming. And Kathleen Turner, you never really buy her as, you know, a high school age Peggy Sue, but she is so good in it. She's just so good. I was watching her in, uh, there was something on TV, War of the Roses. Yeah. And there oh, was a time gosh, when. I love that movie. And there was a time when Kathleen Turner was like yeah. a hottie. I know. Okay. Body know. heat. Yep. A hottie. Yeah. Look at her now. Yep. Did not age well. I'm well. sorry. Go. You know, Alex Cox makes weird-ass movies, dude. He, uh, Alex Cox made a movie that has been out of print on DVD for quite a while, and Microcinema has uh, recently cut a deal with Alex Cox to release a lot of the movies that have been out of print. One of them is Three Businessmen, which is one of his more obscure movies that uh, is, is kind of uh, famous among fans, but it never, it never had a chance in theaters. And Three Businessmen is, it makes Repo Man look like Snow White. It just, it's just really, really bizarre. Uh, it is a totally weird off-the-wall movie. Uh, you've got just this, it's like almost this bizarre inside-your-brain post-apocalyptic dreamscape um, that turns in, from one city into another city uh, these two businessmen, it's just, it's like they're, they're sort of lost in this weird purgatorial urban landscape. It's, it's, a, it's sometimes it's Liverpool and then it's Tokyo and Hong Kong. And then they hook up with this third guy. And the whole thing is just this very weird philosophical meditation. It's a very odd movie, but it's actually really cool at the same time. If you're an Alex Cox fan, you'll totally vibe to it because Alex Cox is, he's the man, you know? Uh, he, he, I would, you know, he's a UCLA Bruin. What can I say? I got to root for Alex Cox. Lame. But did you know Alex Cox also um, during the writers' strike of whenever it was? Uh, I always forget the year. He uh, he intentionally scabbed and got kicked out of the WGA. Ha <laughs> ha! I thought that was just it's kind of gutsy in a way. I don't know if I should admire that or condemn that. Uh, Wade uh, Gene Harlow was one of the great uh, tragic figures of yes, the '30s. Yes, yes. She died, at, I think she was about 25 or 26 when yeah, she died sad. in the uh, 1930s. And in uh, 1965, there was a movie based on her life called mm. Harlow. Carol Baker plays Harlow, and this is with uh, Martin Balsam and Red Buttons. Angela Lansbury, all, of course, very young. And uh, Martin Balsam was the original uh, 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 Dr. Rudy uh, uh, 
Six Million Dollar Man, Dr. Rudy. Really? Yeah. Martin Balsam. Movie. Martin Balsam was also uh, a, one of Stanley Kubrick's original uh, first choices for the voice of Hal. Oh, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? I did not know that. You seriously didn't know that? I did not know yep. that. You Google it right now. Martin wow. Balsam, voice of Hal. And Pretty cool. Martin, it, it, honestly, it, it, it could not have been worse. Wow. That's <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, look, imagine Marlon Brando was Lawrence of Arabia. That nearly happened, too. Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, this is a, a pretty good movie. I do like this film. Um, the life of Jean Harlow is so tragic, I'm surprised that it has not been uh, made since. But then again, she's from the 30s. No one really knows who she is. So uh, there you go, Harlow. It's also a very good uh, video Sweet. transfer, considering it's so old. Um, S- Summer and Smoke is based on the Tennessee Williams uh, play, and I do like this film. This um, stars Geraldine Page and uh, Lawrence Harvey. And, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Summer and Smoke. I'm going through this very fast. Andy Hardy, Film Collection, Volume 2. This is five discs, ten features featuring Andy Hardy. Andy Hardy, of course, is, uh, you know, he was a teenage sensation back in the day. The, the Mickey, Mickey the, Rooney. Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney plays him. Andy Hardy. Yeah. We're talking the 30s, and this is, uh, t- he did a whole boatload of films as Andy Hardy, and this is ten of them, and you got to love that. Uh, Jacqueline Suzanne He's on drugs was, in all of them too by the way is he yeah. Jacqueline Suzanne was one of the uh, best selling novelists of her era a lot of cheesy a lot of cheesy soap opera stuff came from Jacqueline Suzanne uh, this one is called Once Is Not Enough this is with Kirk Douglas and David Jansen George Hamilton nice. and Brendan DeVaccaro this is from 1975 I will be sure to miss that <laughs> I know this is all just pretty it just sounds stuff. dreadful Once Is Not Enough this is all soap opera crap and finally we have WUSA an interesting film with Paul uh, Newman and uh, his wife Joanne Woodward and also Anthony Perkins. This is from 1970. By the way, all this stuff is from Olive Film, and you know Wade and I are very much uh, in favor of Olive Film yeah, because they do a good job of taking uh, forgotten films and giving them very nice treatment on Blu-ray. Uh, yes. Uh, Wade, anyway, uh, Paul Newman plays a disc jockey who offers his services to a right-wing hate station that broadcasts out of New Orleans, and it is uh, political and piquant and pointed, and I liked it a lot. This is a kind of a forgotten film, and it's called WUSA. I remember liking it at the time. You know, I was a little young for it, but I do remember like, oh, there's like this political thing going on, and uh, it's like an adult movie that my dad would like. But, an adult movie? Well, you know, Ooh. it's like right-wingers and oh. hate radio, and oh, okay. you know, it's like I was a little young for that, but no. I remember hearing about it. Not not an adult movie, as in like you know, porn. No, like Captain Spearmint and his journey to the Amazon <laughs> island of <laughs> Captain Spearmint. I don't know. <laughs> okay. okay, on Blu-ray we also have uh, more blonde bombshell stuff. Not just Gene Harlow. We got a couple of Marilyn Monroe movies on Blu-ray, and these are from the 20th Century Fox Studio Classics line. And uh, this is great. Both of them absolutely terrific. One obviously better than the other. Niagara and Bus Stop. Um, really great transfers. Fox has done a, a beautiful job with uh, a lot of their their classic stuff of late, better than they had done for a few years. And this is Henry Hathaway's uh, really, really one of his better films. Marilyn Monroe and Joseph Cotton, uh, just a terrific pair. And I never would have thought that those two would have chemistry together. But when you see this film, you're just like, that's just great classic movie making, perfect pairing. And uh, it's pretty great, you know. It uh, obviously takes it's a it's a honeymoon set in Niagara Falls, as many people do. But oh, things just go terribly wrong. Bus Stop is uh, a slightly more controversial film. Controversial because it's very it, a lot of people aren't they're not in agreement as to whether or not it's a good film. Some people like it, other people think it's just junk, which is kind of par for the course for a lot of Joshua Logan movies. Josh Logan, of course, did uh, not only the much debated Camelot. But he also did the, uh, the 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 film that you actually like a lot, which is you know your stupid Bali High crap. Oh come on, South Pacific Rules! Friggin' horrible movie, the best ever. Dreadful. You, you, have you seen it lately? 
No, of course not. Okay, you need to see it because I took Christy to see it, what, about uh, a little over a year ago <laughs> at a big anniversary screening at the Academy. And truly, at the end, I was like, oh, you guys, this is like a classic movie. At the end of it, I'm like, I'm so sorry I made you sit the through music that. Is I'm great. so sorry I made you sit oh, through that. You know what? It's like, that is the most insufferably boring thing I have ever seen. It's just, it will not end. And well, then, how, well, then Uncle Martin from My Favorite Martian shows up and, you know, he's like wearing. The toucan on his head. I don't know. Well, it's which just, is better? Which horrible. is better? That or Paint Your Wagon, which is another See, Josh I Logan love film. Paint Your what? Wagon. I do. Lee Marvin Clinties would like singing or hand something. Hand me down that can of beans. Hand me down that can of beans. That's terrible. It's great. Joshua Logan sucked. I know he did. He really, I, I don't know how. You know what it was? It was Mr. Roberts. Mr. Roberts made him. And then everything else was crap. Well, but, but he didn't. But John Ford started Mr. Roberts. And then uh, Logan, Logan finished, finished it. it. Yeah. So really, it's John Ford's work I you're guess. loving. The only the only Joshua Logan film I I I, unre- I have no reservations about loving is Fanny, which is is good because he took a Broadway musical, stripped the songs out, and made it a straight melodrama with uh, a lot of people who'd been in Gigi, you know, like uh, uh, Maurice Chevalier is in it and Leslie Caron is in it. And Leslie Caron plays the title part. That's a great film. And we're doing everything we can to not talk about Bus Stop because I, I don't know. Um, here's the problem that I have with Bus Stop is that it would be a great movie if not for Don Murray in his very, very first screen role, and he's just not that good. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't kind of bring it to be on screen with, uh, with Marilyn Monroe. Uh, but that said, you know, it, 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 is, uh, it is an interesting film from the uh, Monroe uh, filmography, and she is certainly good in it, even though the film itself is uneven, so I would, uh, I would guardedly recommend that as well, along with Niagara. So rock on there. Uh, Wade, from Criterion this week, we have the highly recommended The Ice Storm by Ang Lee, who, of course, has won more Best Directing Oscars than Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Putting it out there. Uh, Spielberg's the won, too, actually. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, he has. Oh, that's right. He won, for, um, he won for Schindler's List. Which got Best Picture, and then he won again for, uh, for uh, Saving Private Ryan, but that did not, not win Best Picture because Shakespeare, Shakespeare Love won Best Picture. That's, that's right. right. It was a split that year. Damn, I was hoping that... It's okay. No, it's, it, it was a cute thing to say. It was funny, even if it wasn't true. <laughs> it's still funny. It was as cute as it was inaccurate. Yeah. Anyway, it's 1973, and Richard Nixon is uh, not a crook. That's the uh, era in which this thing takes place, and it really does deconstruct relationships in the 1970s as the, as the nation falls apart, the, this family falls apart uh, you know, in a parallel fashion. And I found this, this, uh, this thing, is, it's, just, it's just a great film. It's, uh, it's emotional, and it's provocative, and it's just great. Kevin Klein is great in it. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Toby Maguire's in it. Christina Ricci. Christina Ricci's in it. Sigourney Weaver's in it. And uh, it's great. It's yeah. great. I, I remember when I was at the Cannes Film Festival in 1997 with Christie when this was uh, in competition, uh, along with the film that Christie had worked on, which was the Vim Vendors film, The End of Violence. And uh, I remember the junket day for this very, very well. And afterwards, Sigourney Weaver was there, and you know we kind of hung. We were tight with everybody. It was cool. We were we, for ten seconds. We brushed with greatness. This is a two K digital transfer. I wish it was a four K, but it's a two K digital transfer, which still looks good. There's an audio commentary featuring uh, Ang Lee and the producer uh, James Sheamus, and a documentary featuring all the actors. This is a great film, The Ice Storm by Ang Lee. Got to see it. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff. You know, Kino uh, really has knocked it out of the park so many times by taking some of their classic stuff, putting them on Blu-ray. Kino is doing a great, great job with Blu-ray. And here's another one. This double feature has been out before on blue, on a, a DVD. It is now on Blu-ray, and that would be Eric von Stroheim's Foolish Wives, along with uh, the documentary The Man You Love to Hate. 
if you have the DVD, get rid of it. Pick this up. This is just fantastic. The uh, the transfer comes from an archival print from the uh, Arthur Lennig restoration by the AFI, and it is just absolutely pristine. Uh, Foolish Wives is one of those. It's just it's just so typically von Stroheim. It really is. He uh, he made the movie in 1922. It is almost two and a half hours long, and it is just it is just indulgent and excessive. It's just about this um, the, the the wife of an American diplomat who has this uh, affair with this uh, Russian count or a guy who claims he's a Russian count, played by von Stroheim, and uh, it just the whole thing is just it's just excessive and indulgent and it's just dripping with. Uh, with just madness and all of that von Stroheim excess, it's just really a beautiful thing to watch. It it, it really is. Uh, you you never would have imagined that movies can go so far over the top. And then of course the um, the feature length documentary, uh, the man you love to hate from 1979, is uh, a complete look as there has ever been of Eric von Stroheim, and uh, it will scare the daylights out of you. It really will. This guy is the stereotype that all imperious directors modeled themselves on. And for good damn reason, because he rules. Uh, there's also uh, some uh, New York censor board cuts on here, photo gallery, the original 1922 uh, Sigmund Romberg score performed by Rodney Sauer, and a great, great, great audio commentary by uh, von Stroheim's biographer, Richard Kazarsky. So this is just, there, it's just, there's no end to how good this is. You've got to get it. Oh, there's an end to how good it is. Oh, no, there isn't. Uh, well, you know what? There's no end to how good it is. <laughs> It, I, I'm gonna, right. I will kill you. This is off at Spindle, too. It's really... I hate when they send stuff that's off at Spindle. I know. Uh, wait, let me tell you something. Yes. Joe Camp has directed ten movies. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them... <laughs> are Benji movies. Are Benji movies. <laughs> the other three are Homps, whatever that is, The Double MacGuffin, and a movie from uh, 1980 that I remember called Oh, Heavenly Dog. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Heavenly Dog was with uh, Chevy Chase. Might as well be a Benji movie. Might as well be a Benji movie. Anyway, Benji, the original dog movie, was from 1974, and it was a big hit at the time. It was a big, big hit. It was about a dog who saves these uh, kids from getting kidnapped, and uh, it's it's not like a cheesy talking dog kind of a movie. It's just a cute puppy that saves a couple kids, and it's good. It's a good film. Uh, I can't vouch for the 17,000 sequels, but Benji at the time was kind of like a thing. So here on DVD, we have Benji 4 Movie Collection. This is Benji. Benji Off the Leash from 2004. For the love of Benji. For the love of Benji in 1977 and 1978's Benji's Very Own Christmas Story. You know you're starting to lose it when, it's, when it becomes like Benji's Very Own Christmas Story. A very Benji Christmas so these films have gotten increasingly uh, uh, horrible, and uh, in 2004 was the last one, Benji Off the Leash, which of course is here also. So, you know what? It's good for kids. He's a cute dog, saves a bunch of kids from being kidnapped. I remember I saw this for a friend's birthday party when I was a kid, and I just thought it was the stupidest thing I'd ever seen. Oh, because Benji. Uh, you know, a couple from VCI before we get into, uh, into foreign language films and the week's giveaway. Uh, VCI has released a couple of old classic movies that I think are a well one of them is a hoot and the other one is really interesting this one's from 1954 and it is Carnival Story starring Ann Baxter as a uh, as a, as a woman she's a German girl this is ridiculous Ann Baxter's German are you kidding me anyway she uh, it's, it's a love triangle set against a carnival and circus backdrop you know she's a high wire act and whatever uh, if you want to watch a really good melodrama watch Trapeze that's the Burt Lancaster thing that's a better film 
the, the <laughs> trapeze also has the the footage in trapeze where uh well let's let's just, let's just say there there are there are other movies that have used the footage from trapeze which makes it priceless and hysterically funny uh, but uh, Carnival Story is just kind of cheesy, but I enjoy it just because it's got Ann Baxter, who, of course, you know, did All About Eve, and, and she plays the, the, the queen who's caught between uh, Ramses and Moses in the Ten Commandments. Oh, Moses, Moses, which is still a variation on Eve. Everything that she's ever done is a variation on Eve. Uh, and then a really interesting movie is The Ring, which is uh, just this fascinating independent movie that was made in 1952 and released by United Artists. And um, what makes it so interesting is this is like one of the first movies to actually confront the issue of uh, issues of racism and uh, racial segregation among Mexican-Americans in Los Angeles and, uh, and white people in Los Angeles. Uh, at the time, obviously in the 1950s, you know, early 1950s, People are focused on civil rights movement and, you know, black Americans and black, white and separate, you know, uh, restaurants and separate uh, eating areas and water fountains and bathrooms and all that stuff. That's what people are focused on in the early 1950s. Um, You know, segregation in the army and the armed forces and Truman turns that around and all that kind of stuff and the Korean War. And uh, these issues of, you know, uh, faced by Latinos and, 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 you know, Latino immigrants and Mexican-Americans, not really on the radar. So this movie is fascinating uh, because it's about this kid, this Mexican-American kid who wants to be a boxer and how he finds that even once he succeeds, he still doesn't have the respect of white people. Uh, It's a really, really interesting film, totally ahead of its time. Uh, a terrific uh, lead performance by this kid, Lalo Rios, who I've never heard of before, never seen again. And you know who else is in this movie? Rita Moreno. She's awesome. God, God, I love Rita Moreno. So young. So young. Um, So young. How how young is she? Almost a decade before uh, West Side Story, for crying out loud. You know, she's getting the SAG Lifetime Achievement Award next year. As well she should. Wait, As well she should. Speaking of older uh, actors, you know, um, there is a an exciting pre-order available now. It is, uh, it is a James Dean Ultimate Collector's Edition yep. from Warner Brothers. It's going it's, it's one of those book things that they always do. It's going to include uh, Rebel Without a Cause, East of Eden, and Giant. And uh, you can't beat that. So there's no release date for this thing. I mean, it does include a 40-page commemorative book. And the three films he did, and some behind-the-scenes photos. I I have not I yet. I, it's 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 distant. I don't think it's going to be released this year. I, I think know. they're just taking pre-orders on it to bank some early cash. I suspect that'll be a next-year thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit of a tease. Yeah, it's a bit I of mean, a tease. If this thing is like six months down the road, it's like come on. It's guys. not. I mean, I'm I'm already getting announcements for you know September and October stuff. Uh, which those are those are starting to be the big titles for the holidays, right? And I'm not so unless in the next four weeks I get an announcement on that thing, I, I don't I don't think it's. Gonna I happen. mean, there's there, there's also this crazy X Men collection called the Adamantium Collection. Yeah, it's got X Men, X Men uh, Last Stand, X Men yeah. First Class, Wolverine, the yes. Wolverine, yeah, and then this legacy thing, Wolverine and the X Men, and, and it, every single album that Adam and the Ants ever did. Because the Adam don't, Antio- don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? And the oh, Adamantium Collection. song ever written. It's like two, the, two notes for 17 minutes. And the Adamantium Collection comes in, in this cool little uh, packaging that includes yeah. a, a glove with um, little claws coming out of it, that's like uh, Wolverine. Great. That's great. You didn't see the Wolverine. I did. Oh, you did see I it. Yeah, I talked about it on radio on Friday. I, you don't. You don't listen to me on radio, do you? Hell no. I, I see you. I know. I, I listen to you anyway. So okay. So a uh, Wolverine, yes or no? Uh, 
Here, here, you ready? I have, I, have, I have three words for it. Yeah. Good, not good enough. That's four words. From the sublime to the ridiculous. That is literally the trajectory of the film. It started off well enough. It feels like this noir kind of merged with a, with a modern-day Japanese gangster slash samurai movie. And that's cool. And that's cool for about an hour. And then it just disintegrates into, the mo- into the, all the generic superhero crap. That j- It's just it's, it's so frustrating. Well, that I agree. The, the, the last and seriously, half hour is not great. And seriously, the big climactic thing at the end, it's just a variation on the end of uh, Iron Man crossed with a variation on the end of Thor. I mean, could you, could you really? Seriously? That's the best you could do? That, that same battle all over again? The big, big mecho battle? Come on, stop. Um, foreign language films. Got two. I'm going to get this one right out of the way real quickly. This is on Blu-ray from Draft House, and it is called Graceland. Has nothing to do with Elvis. Uh, this is a Filipino thriller, and it's about a chauffeur who gets caught in all of these, uh, the, the, this just tempestuous, turbulent uh, series of events surrounding the kidnapping of um, uh, of someone he was supposed to protect. Um, anyway, it is uh, it is so interesting because it gets a little bit into politics, a lot into crime and law enforcement, but it's just a really, really interesting and unusual thriller from a country that we don't often see movies from. Uh, I think uh, Filipino films have kind of really ebbed and flowed over the years. They've never really gotten their 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 you know. Never gotten their feet under them as, a, as far as having a, a really consistent film industry. But this is a good movie. Uh, this is a good movie, and uh, it's a good pickup from Draft House and definitely worth watching. So uh, go check out the Blu-ray of Graceland. Pretty cool foreign language thriller in Tagalog. Tagalog. It's a good, good name for a language, don't you think, Mark? Tagalog. Tagalog? It sounds too much like Tagalongs, those, uh, those uh, Girl Scout cookies. All right, Mark. This is our giveaway this week. What? Uh, I have in my hands a fantastic Blu-ray of an amazing movie that has been out of... uh, It's been impossible to access for the longest time. Andre Teshine's The Bronte Sisters. Now, I am a huge fan. What are you looking at? I thought you did the audio commentary for this. I did. (laughs) (laughs) I I was looking for your name on it. Well, it doesn't put my name on it. Ah, you suck. Because I'm, I'm not worth putting it on the back. Um, it just says audio feature-length audio commentary because you know uh, with a loser. Thank you. Uh, thanks for for spoiling the the big reveal. <laughs> the Bronte sisters, Andre Teshine's amazing biography of uh, the famous three Bronte sisters, the the, the most greatest literary family in history. This Steve from Bronte ni- from nineteen seventy nine. It's on DVD and Blu ray. We are going to give away five DVDs, five DVDs, in honor of my uh, co audio commentary. And uh, this is, before I get into the movie, here's the way the giveaway is going to work. You're going to send us a, an email to gods at digigods.com. You're going to put Bronte in the subject line, just B-R-O-N-T-E. You don't have to put two dots over the E. Don't worry about it. I'm not gonna, we're not going to enforce that. There's not two dots over it on the, uh, on the cover of this anyway. So um, we're not going to be sticklers. But uh, just Bronte in, the, in it and include your, uh, your address, your mailing address, and... Uh, Make sure that that gets to us uh, time or date stamped no later than uh, Friday, August 2nd. So as long as it is date stamped Friday, August 2nd, 2013, you will be in and eligible for the giveaway. We're giving away five DVDs of the Bronte Sisters, the Andre Teshine classic from 1979. If uh, the, the, those who won the last contest, not eligible for this one, but everybody else, go ahead and give it a shot. 
you know, if you're not familiar with the story of the Bronte sisters, you are missing out. Uh, Charlotte, Emily, and Anne Bronte, three unbelievable literary giants. We mostly know Charlotte Bronte because of Jane Eyre. We know Emily Bronte uh, because of Wuthering Heights. Anne Bronte uh, was a a genius in her own right. Uh, The Tenant of Wildfell Hall, not as famous as the works of her sisters, but certainly a a great film nonetheless. And you've got uh, Isabelle Huppert playing Anne Bronte, uh, Marie-France Pizier playing uh, Charlotte and Isabelle Ejani playing uh, Emily. And I got to tell you, man, this, this, it is, even though it's a French-language film about uh, British literary greats, it's an, it's an incredible film. It just gets it absolutely right, and André Téchiné just pulls out all the stops. It is a wonderful film. Also because there's a fourth Bronte. You know, there were two sisters who died early. Shecky and then Bronte. there's a brother, there's a brother uh, Branwell, who was a bit of a loser, and, uh, you know, this, this gets into all the, the dirty laundry. I had the privilege of doing the audio commentary for this with a great Bronte scholar named Sue Lonoff, who is a, uh, a, a former professor at Harvard. And uh, basically, the, this commentary was a delight. I mean, I, just, it, I know the film inside out, but I am not a Bronte scholar. I've re- certainly read a lot of biographies. I kind of, you know, I know the stories, but I could not talk about, you know, all these nuances of the, the literature and their lives and so forth. Uh, Sue Lonoff is amazing. She is the star of this audio commentary. It's pretty much me hosting and letting her doing all the heavy lifting. And it it was just wonderful. You hear me say things like, uh, you know, everyone always dies off screen. You're going to hear me say that like 150 times in this movie. It's true. Everybody always dies off screen. No one actually dies on screen. Uh, it's an interesting, fascinating choice. But, uh, you know, Sue Lonoff, wonderful commentary. You will learn so much, not just watching the movie, but listening to her incredibly scholarly uh, commentary. And, um, you know, uh, I have to do a shout-out to Juliet Barker, who is uh, a great Bronte biographer who uh, is from Yorkshire, who uh, connected us with Sulanoff. So thank you to, uh, to Juliet Barker, another great Bronte scholar, for helping facilitate this. Uh, this was a lot of fun working with the Cohen Media people and uh, looking forward to more in the future. So Bronte. In the subject line, address in the body of the email, send it to us at godsdigigods.com. Five people, if you are date stamped by August 2nd this Friday, you are going to get, you, you are going to be in the running. And if you win, you're going to be one of the five people who get a DVD with my obnoxious audio commentary on it. Keyword obnoxious. There we go. All right. Uh, I wish this show was live because then I can ask people what screening I should see tomorrow. Because I asked you what screening I should see tomorrow, but you wouldn't uh, answer. And that's right. It was the it, the choices are Lovelace, with Amanda Seyfried or whatever her name is as um, mm-hmm. one of the first, pretty much the first porn star, or should I see Two Guns with Denzel Washington? Uh, I I'd do Lovelace, frankly, but really, you know, I don't know. Two Guns is it's it's Mark Wahlberg and Denzel and Bang 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 and, and they, they shoot things. Yeah, they shoot things. All right, hang on here. Let's uh, let me see here. In a world. Let's let's blow through a few documentaries, Mark. I think we should blow through a few documentaries, and then we'll hit some uh, the new movies, and I'll see if I can get to some martial arts stuff at the end. Uh, Robert Greenwald. Ever since he directed uh, Xanadu, he gave up movies, and he makes now left wing political movies. Kind of a strange twist. I'd sort of like for him to do uh, Xanadu again, don't, wouldn't you? I've seen this movie. What do you think of War on Whistleblowers? Mark? I didn't like it. I didn't either. You know what it is? Here's the thing with um, Robert Greenwald. The guy is pretty much just a factory of left-wing documentaries, and there's nothing wrong with being a factory of left-wing documentaries, 
But uh, well, you know, some of them are good. Some yeah. of them are very good. The, but the more they're you, skewed, you know, I mean, you, you accept his point of view, but they're well done. You know, and he's a skilled he's a skilled filmmaker. Look, I think he got a bad rap after Xanadu, but anyway, go on. But the more he cranks out, the more the more they just seem perfunctory. Look, here's the next one. Here's the, so he he lines them up. You know, these guys who uh, who blew the whistle on various uh, government improprieties. Uh, so there's all these people are definitely brave, and they definitely did their country a great service, even if the government uh, tried to uh, pretty much track them down and shut down their lives. Uh, but that said, Robert Greenwald doesn't really tell the story in any particular depth or with any new information uh, or with any particular style. So it really is just a primer for people who want to hear about whistleblowers. Yeah. Um, the strange thing about this film, and I'm only saying this because I know they will never listen to this podcast, is I was asked to review this film mm-hmm. for an outlet. And only as I was watching the end credits of this film, which I was a little disappointed in, did I look at who produced it and who co-produced it, and I realized that I hired them on my job. Oh, my god! My job is a TV producer. No and the executive producer of this film, Jeff Cole, who's very talented, yeah. I hired him to do, wow. a, uh, to do a project for me a few years ago, and co-produced by Natalie Kotke, also very talented, she co-produced this film. Wow. So I emailed my editor and I said, I don't know if I can review this because I literally, the executive producer and the co-producer worked for me. I hired them. No kidding. And so uh, I wrote it under an alias. There you go. The first thing I wrote for that outlet, the review review for War and Whistleblowers, I wrote under an alias. Well done. Thank you. Good for you. You probably want to know what the alias is, don't you? I do. I'm not going to tell you. Uh, you know what? A fascinating documentary from Micro Cinema is uh, Koryo Saram, The Unreliable People. This is so good. This uh, won a Best Documentary Award from the National Film Board of Canada. This is such a fascinating story. I had no freaking clue. No clue. No clue at all. Uh, you know, dictators have done a lot of horrible things, a lot of horrible things, and it's just no wonder that we keep finding out all the horrible, dreadful, just reprehensible things that Joseph Stalin did. It just it, There's a, so, so many of them that they just keep popping out of the woodwork, and this is one of them. In 1937, before World War II officially just un, uh, un, unleashes on the world, uh, Stalin decided that the, the ethnic Koreans that were living in Russia near the border of uh, the northern border of, of uh, Korea, which is now North Korea, they were a, a quote-unquote an unreliable people. So he began this uh, campaign of ethnic cleansing, and as part of that, 180,000 people, ethnic Koreans, were moved into just this barren wasteland 4,000 miles away into uh, what is basically modern-day Kazakhstan. And this is the story of those people, and those horrible, those poor people who were just treated so horribly and moved and deprived of land and liberty. And, uh, and it explains why the people in Kazakhstan today, many of them ethnically, look like Koreans. It's it, because they are. It is just fascinating. Such an unbelievable story. I, I can't even recommend this highly enough. A wonderful documentary. Really, really compelling. And uh, also compelling, a more modern tragedy, a more current tragedy, is the Frontline uh, documentary, Syria Behind the Lines, Life on Both Sides of a Sectarian War. Needless to say, everything is changing over there in uh, Syria so quickly that uh, this is, like, obsolete as of 10 minutes ago. And uh, But that being said, it's still relevant. Um, everything here is just it – just, it reminds you of just what a horrible, horrible situation that is. And uh, it certainly will help us all um, pray for, for an end to it very, very soon because it is uh, – there is – 
there is nothing positive happening in Syria right now. It's just so dreadful, and this just hammers it all home. Um, written, directed, and produced by Ollie Lambert, who does a, a hell of a job. It's only an hour long, and you could probably do 20 more hours and, and not even duplicate a single frame. Uh, two terrific uh, documentaries will hopefully wrap up with Wade. Are we almost done? Uh, a, couple, take... a couple of new movies here we'll, we'll, we'll dip into. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fine. Yeah. Uh, JFK and New World Order is a terrific, highly recommended eight-part documentary series about uh, our former president. Uh, this is a great documentary. It is very thorough. Again, it is uh, eight episodes. It's got an amazing bonus disc, which is kind of worth the price of admission. Uh, the bonus disc includes uh, the Kennedy versus Nixon debate which is the very first, uh, you know, it's not the very first TV uh, debate, but it's the one that sort of turned the tide in terms of how a presidential candidate needs to present him or herself on TV in order to, uh, in order to be effective. Also, uh, there is a very interesting documentary here from 1971. This was uh, directed by John Ford and narrated by Charlton Heston, and it is sort of a, a pro-intervention documentary. It's really interesting stuff. It's a good documentary to check out. Uh, also, the fu- uh, footage from the funeral service of uh, Kennedy and uh, very interesting uh, black-and-white Secret Service newsreel footage about the quote-unquote facts of the assassination. And this, is, of course, was back in the day. So uh, that's just the bonus disc, let alone the actual documentary, which is just terrific. So I highly recommend JFK and New World Order. Uh, also, a uh, much smaller scale but still quite interesting is from Julian Temple, London, A Modern Babylon, and what I like about this uh, little ditty is that it is all about these um, – it's all about like uh, how these bohemians and immigrants sort of help shape London and make it what it is. And I kind of like that because London is very much a very cosmopolitan, very – you'd think New York is a melting pot type city. I mean London is the ultimate melting pot type city. And uh, including nowadays, of course, there's a huge lo- a Muslim population that live there, and that gets very controversial uh, in London. So uh, it's really good stuff, very engaging. Uh, it's Julian Temple, so visually it's very interesting, and I highly recommend London, the modern Babylon from Julian Temple. Sweet. A couple of wrap-out documentaries here before we get into a few new movies just to uh, end the show. Burt Stern, original Madman, is a uh, terrific mm-hmm. first-run features documentary. About the ad guy who you who really he is the original madman, uh, as in Mad Men. I mean, Bert Stern was the, the guy who just kind of created everything that Madison Avenue is today. Um, he, uh, as a photographer, he defined advertising. He defined so many things that have just become a part of our visual advertising and commercial vernacular. Really, just a, an unbelievably influential guy. And um, this is a great profile of him. And what a life. I mean, you know, this guy, he, you know, you don't love him by watching this. You appreciate him, but you realize he was also quite a jerk and, uh, and had quite a, quite a provocative life at the same time. Uh, Venus and Serena is a documentary that is pretty straightforward about the, uh, the two sisters who have come to, uh, who, you know, one of them would have been the greatest female tennis player of all time if not for the other one. You know, their, their meetings together are, the, are probably the only things that deprive them both of being able to uh, break every record imaginable. The, the best part of this documentary is really the stuff that uh, deals with their dad and uh, racism and the things that he had to overcome. Just unbelievably horrible stuff that he uh, put behind him in order to give his daughters the the best life imaginable, and their success is a tribute to his perseverance and uh, 
and his stamina and resilience and tenacity. And it is uh, it, that part of it is really good. It doesn't give you much new information. It's not going to break any great documentary ground in its in its portrait of, of these two uh, these two athletes who everyone knows just about everything about. But what it says about their dad, I found to be more interesting than anything else. Uh, directed by Macon Baird and Michelle Major, no relationship of mine. Uh, but produced by Alex Gibney, who of course is a is a terrific documentarian by any any account. All right, and uh, Mark, get your butt down. We got a few more movies to talk about. All right, just a handful of new movies, Fine. really quickly. Fine. Very very quickly. Fine. Uh, Rush Lights is a, uh, a kind of an interesting little thriller. I had to talk about this on radio at the time. Um, it stars Josh Henderson, who plays the young Jr. 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 on Dallas, and has no other claim to fame. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a southwestern noir. You know, we've had a few of these over the years. The, these movies that really adhere strictly to a noir formula, but they're all set in uh, New Mexico and Arizona and Nevada, and they all have that that dusty desert uh, feel to them. The whole idea here is that he's he's this guy, and there's this girl in the diner, and uh, they wind up basically through uh, the death of her roommate, they come into a scam where they're going to try and collect some money, but things don't quite turn out as intended because she looks like her roommate, and they think they're going to be able to pull this off, but... You know, you, you've got a sheriff played by Bo Bridges who will not have the wool pulled over his eyes. And, uh, you know, he's got a half-brother uh, played rather ably by Aidan Quinn. Interesting little noir uh, angle there. Uh, a, a slightly more interesting movie is uh, Between Us, which is like a kind of a second-tier version of um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with a terrific cast that includes Tay Diggs, Melissa George, David Harbour, and Julia Stiles. And they are all absolutely outstanding, uh, especially David Harbour, who, you know, always shows up in supporting roles. I mean, you expect Tay Diggs and Julia Stiles to be really good, but I'll tell you, David Harbour is really, really good in this. And it's, uh, it's, it's about the, these two couples who at one point were best of friends and now have fallen apart and kind of jump back and forth between two different events. The, the, the day when they're trying to reconcile and the day when everything fell apart and you kind of see what happened and you know the, those two events those two the flashback and the current event eventually kind of coincide really interesting uh, piece based on a play obviously and uh, before I let you wrap us out with that uh, I'm going to recommend Cloudburst which comes to us from Wolf which normally releases uh, gay themed stuff but this is much more mainstream than uh, the usual stuff because it has a great cast Brenda Fricker and Olympia Dukakis uh, Oscar winners both, and uh, here they play a lesbian couple, and you fall in love with both of them like you cannot imagine. This is just absolutely wonderful. Um, terrific, terrific movie, terrific performances. Olympia Dukakis and Brenda Fricker. I cannot get enough of them. I, whether they're lesbians or not, I could watch this movie forever. You know, who's, you know what that movie Brenda Fricker does not star in? Uh, I'm going to guess she's not in G.I. Joe. That is true. Yeah. G.I. Joe Retaliation See? 3D. I told you. This thing is a big, you. gigantic, wet dream if you're 12 years old or you're an NRA member. <laughs> this is nothing but 110 minutes of just people running around fighting and slashing and, and doing nothing else but fighting and slashing because they like to fight and slash. And uh, this thing is just, you know what it's like? You, you know, this summer has been such a bad summer for film because we're just tired of like nothing but just spec. Just nothing but fighting and fighting and fighting. There's no character. There's no story. There's nothing. No, nothing interesting. It just so it just disappears the moment you're done seeing it. I know. And GI Joe is pretty much 110 minutes of that. Yeah. 
So it's got a good cast, I guess. I mean, Bruce Willis is in it and uh, Channing Tatum, who is starting to make some interesting choices. I like Channing Tatum as an actor. I'm kind of getting to like him. You know, he's done a couple yeah. of Soderbergh films and got to respect that. And so I'm, I'm all about that. This film is uh, written by a, a guy I used to work with, actually, Rhett Reese, who also co-wrote uh, Monsters, Inc., the original Monsters, Inc. He's a good guy. Well, good um, he uh, co-wrote this thing with his partner, uh, Paul uh, Wernick, who I also know uh, or knew, not anymore. I haven't talked to him for a long time. But I have to say, that being said, uh, this thing's junk. I uh, hope that the check cashed <laughs> and uh, they can move on to bigger and better things. But otherwise, G.I. Joe... It, this thing is just just a big, gigantic, yeah. fetishy looking movie about guns and yeah. swords and flying people. And if I'm 15 years old, I'll think this is the greatest thing ever. Otherwise, pass. All right. Mark, I got an outro for us. What is it? Cut and print. <laughs> <laughs>